25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hey, hey! Hour two is underway here on the show in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Uh, also staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. We had a lot of stuff on the uh, text line. I didn't quite get around to all of it. I did want to uh, go back and, and uh, mention just a couple of things here. True Maroon, I wasn't meaning to be ugly. He said, fine, I don't want to cut your grass anyway. I was just saying, I think we should cut our own if we can. <laughs> and then Patrick said, but Matt, support local businesses by local lawn care. I promise you they got plenty of business. <laughs> they don't need mine. What a terrible attitude. Well, the fact is I'm going to give them my business sometimes because I get so busy at times I can't get to my own grass. And that's okay. Let's just not, let's not just pay somebody to do it out of laziness or because we're too good to go out there and pull the rope on a lawnmower. Right? Right. Flowtown Ghost said, regarding the fake crowd noise, he said, will it be a real game or will they be streaming Madden instead? How will we know? <laughs> Uh, Norman, thanks for your comment. You said, uh, I follow your dad on Twitter and enjoyed that clip. You need to have him on sometime. I respect you, and I know your wisdom comes from Mr. Joe. Yep. Yep, dad's the man. Coffee Norman, thank you so much for that comment. Uh, if y'all want to see what we're talking about, I shared an old clip on my Twitter feed today. On Twitter, I am at Radio Wyatt. And it was from last year's, during last year's SEC tournament. And... I was sitting there with my dad and right now this week, all week, I'm starting to really feel it in the gut, how, how much I'm going to miss the SEC baseball tournament next week. I've been going forever. Yes. The baseball, all the experience doing the show there, all of that, but spending the week with my dad sitting there watching hours and hours of baseball, the conversations we get in while we're watching games together in Hoover, I'm just going to miss it so much. And I shared a clip of a funny moment that he and I shared, and we put it on Twitter. So if you want to see that video clip of Dad and I, go check it out. It's on my Twitter feed, at Radio Wyatt. Baseball is a theme. It is the theme. And so, uh, Norman, you gave me the perfect segue. In case you uh, missed it, I don't think you did, but in case you missed it, this past week, Major League Baseball announced that this draft, this summer's Major League Baseball draft, is only going to be five rounds here in 2020. 
You keep in mind that the draft usually consists of 40 rounds. Now think about that. Normally, over 1,200 players or so picked. Last year, 1,200 players. That means this year only 160 players are going to be drafted. And, yeah, they've said, okay, well, the teams can sign as many undrafted free agents as they want to after the fifth round, but at $20,000 each. You go, okay, well, that sounds good. Well, the players aren't going to take that, and here's why. If they don't have to, here's why. Last year, a sixth-round bonus ranged from about $300,000 to about $230,000. This year, if you're a quote-unquote sixth-round you're getting 20000 if you want it. So what's going to happen? I mean, is it like all these guys going JUCO, how many people are coming back? So all I have is questions. I don't have answers. Somebody who may have some answers is the head baseball coach at Mississippi State University, Chris Lamonis, and he's on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Coach, it's been a while since i talked to you. I hope you and family and friends and loved ones are all doing okay. We're all good. We're all good. You're going to be disappointed. I don't know if I have many more answers for you than you have. Yeah. Well, and just, uh, with the draft and all, it's been a, it's been a crazy month of uh, figuring this all out. You know. Well, were you as a college head head coach? Were you at the mercy of the reports of this decision last week, or did you kind of have a heads up earlier that it was only going to be five rounds? Well, we kept hearing five to ten. You know, and I think a lot of people were fighting for ten. Um, your, your scouts, your scouting directors, you know, yeah. the guys that put in all the work. I mean, in this part of the country, I mean, some of the best scouts in the country are, man, right here to the southeast because of the SEC. And, uh, man, it's hard to work all year and not get a pick or not have the opportunity to pick. Um, but I think it came from the, you know, the Major League Baseball side of, of five. And I, I get it in some ways because well, there's I don't know, but it looks like there's not going to be minor league baseball this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, so where do you – you used to be a sixth rounder and boom, you went to a team and a seventh rounder and you went to a team or 20th rounder. But right now, you know, where are guys going? Yeah. You know, so I think the, the thought process is, is man, the first, like I think you said 160 picks or maybe 163 picks this year with compensatory picks that, <clears throat> you know, man, 163 guys, you're getting the cream of the crop is what they think and, and then getting ready for next year. Next year it goes to 20, we've been told. Okay. Um, but trying to figure that out. Okay. So. So we're looking at in a few weeks, there's going to be a major league draft with only five rounds at about 160 players. What are you anticipating, Chris, that means for a roster like yours, a big-time SEC roster with major league players on it? Does that mean right. Does that mean they're all coming back? Does that mean more of those kind of guys are going to go in that top five rounds? What are you anticipating? The five rounds really hurts, I say hurts, just affects us. Okay. Because you get, um, it, it affects our juniors that are in our program. Now, Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue, they're probably shoot first 50 picks. But then we have a lot of really good players in terms of Tanner Allen. He's probably in the first five, but then you got, you know, Rowdy uh, Jordan is probably right around there. Josh Hatcher is right around there. Hmm. Um, you know, such a crazy year. Where does, how does that affect JT Ginn, you know, of where he's at? But most of the time with Mississippi State for high school kids, you know, after the third round, most of the time kids are going to school. Not all the time, but most of the time. So, you know, after the fifth round for your high school guys isn't as big of a deal. 
it's really more for those juniors and sophomore eligible guys that we have in our program. So that's where, you know, going into the season, you know, I was counting on all five of those juniors and they're gone, you know, of, you know, we sit down and have conversations and what they've done in the past. And, you know, it's uh, even 10 to 20, those guys are gone usually, you know, out of, out of most programs, but um, that's where it's really affecting us. I don't know about our high school. You know, we have a couple of high school kids that are projected to go in the first round. So, you know, that's not going to change for those guys. And then most of the time after you get past the second round, the high school kid starts to say, no, I'm going to go back. I'm, I'm going to go back to school. I'm, I'm going to go to school and experience it. And a lot of them price themselves out. We've just been told it's going to be a lot of college players. Okay. Because they have a little bit more of a background on the college player. And there's, you know, they have all the video and all the stats on the college players. So if you're not sure you're going to go the safer pick, it's probably going to be the college guy. Okay, so Chris Lamonis on your radio. So you're you're kind of hearing that the ladder that I brought up that that since it's squeezed down to five rounds, they've got more background, more film, more scout on college players. We we're probably going to see more college players taken in those five rounds. Is kind of what you're saying? I think so. Okay, yeah. and and it's a really heavy college draft anyway before COVID hit. Okay, this was supposed to. You know what's scary is they've been saying for the last year or two that this is one of the one of the best drafts in years, and then all of a sudden it gets cut. You know, from a talent standpoint, sometimes the talent's higher from year to year, but this was a really high-talented year. So this this 163 guys, it's going to be some really good players. Okay. For kind of, you know, the upper echelon of college baseball as a whole, Chris, and again, I know – you know, I'm peppering you with these questions, and, and none, none of us have been through it before, including you. We're, we're doing the best we can to figure it out. But if you were to just say, okay, the SEC as a whole, this level of college baseball, the premier conference in the country, um, are we going to look up next year and when games are being played, we're going to go, boy, across the league, there's a whole bunch of upperclassmen that are still wearing SEC uniforms that normally would have been drafted in that sixth, seventh round. I mean, were you looking at loaded rosters? Loaded rosters, loaded college baseball for a couple of years. I think you'll see. You're going to see this for a couple of years. And I think even, I don't know if it's going back to 40. I mean, it might, but I don't know if it is. And um, I think it's a testament to college baseball a little bit. I think MLB looks up and says, hey, man, they're doing a pretty good job of getting guys ready because, I mean, they're cutting teams. And they were cutting teams before COVID. You know, trying to slim down the minor league. So I think you're seeing a, a loaded college baseball. I was talking to another coach today. And, you know, we feel like, man, we got a chance to be really good, you know, next year. But I have a feeling a lot of teams feel like they have. If you don't feel like you got a chance to be really good next year, man, you must have been struggling because, you know, this just so many, you know, we're losing a lot of first round talent, high level talent, but we still have, feel like we have a chance to have a really good team because you have more numbers. I mean, we got five senior pitchers back. Mm-hmm. Um, man, just right there, the depth of that, which causes the other problem is, is you don't have enough innings. Right. So you trying to keep everybody happy becomes a, becomes a tough part too. You know, and that's one thing, Chris, I was going to bring up is the whole idea of transfers. I, again, it's just speculation and, but I sometimes dream big and go, well, for a place like Mississippi state where you've got this cathedral ballpark that any college player would love to come and play in, even if it's for a year. And and right. and now some guy who's playing in the Mountain West, you know, who's a great, who's a really high level player out there, th- says, "Well, you know, I might can call Coach Lamonis and go play for him for one year." 
I mean, I mean, do you think more of that happens? <laughs> I think you'll see that probably after the draft a little bit. Okay. And I, we have a vote coming up at the end of the month, May 20th. Um, I don't know what they're doing with it. We've heard, you know, the transfer rule, you know, back and forth. We don't, we don't know what's going on. And then, you know, I think once the draft hits, because what if you are that six rounder, you right. know, and you've, you've thought you were gone. And, and a lot of kids, so many kids are close to graduating these days. Bring them in summer before. You know, you have a lot of kids there that I think you'll see a lot of movement, you know, somewhere in June, July. You know, some kid doesn't get drafted at his spot and he's already graduated and he wants to move. Or, or if they open the transfer rule, you could see some action that way. Sure. So it, it's a it's a big dynamic that's out there. And, and like I said, with crowded rosters and everything else, I think you'll see a good bit of movement as time goes on. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach, Mississippi State, on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. You know, Coach, uh, as I was introing you, I threw out those numbers of what normally, or like last year, the sixth round bonus slots were 230000 right. to 300000 I did the money. But what about this? It, there's a short list here of players who over the years have been drafted in the sixth through the tenth rounds. How about these names in the sixth through the tenth? Jacob deGrom, Dallas Keuchel, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Marcus Simeon, Brian Dozier, Kendall Graveman. Um, those are the kind players. of, I mean, those are the kind of players that they're not getting drafted at all this year. It's just incredible right. to think about. It's incredible. Yeah, it is, you know, is you just got to think about it in one way too, though, but minor leagues haven't lost one guy this entire year. Yeah. And usually you finish spring training, you make cuts, and then you play three months while the colleges are playing, and you have injuries and retirement, and guys move up, and and it's just, you know, where do you go? Yeah. I think it's the biggest thing. It's just hard to, especially as everything's being cut and made smaller. So it's, um, you know, it's an interesting dynamic of, of that. Cause there are, I mean, there's good players. You could go 10 to 20 and find a lot of good players, you know, and, and, and this age of baseball, there's so much development too. Who knows what type of, you could skyrocket, you know, some guys if they get in the right systems. Sure. Has it, um, has it changed the recruiting pitch for coaches like you, or it hasn't done that quite yet? No, not yet. Not okay. yet. We haven't, uh, there hasn't been a ton of recruiting in this time frame. We're not allowed out now until August 1st, I think. Okay. July 1st, maybe, as it is. It is. Um, I've lost, they keep moving it, so I get, I get lost with that. But, um, you know, nobody's been playing, nobody's been doing anything, so it's been really quiet. On the recruiting front, luckily for us, I have you know Jake Gotro and uh, Scott Boxall are tremendous recruiters, and they uh, you know we have a class coming in the twenties, but we have a really good twenty one class and twenty two class and twenty three class, and so we have depth there that we feel real comfortable of being able to just to sit and kind of watch through this. So we haven't been doing a, too much of recruiting, you know, yeah. at this point. Been mainly with the team that we've had, trying to get them to finish the semester and trying to figure out the roster. Sure. You know, for next year. But I think when this breaks, you know, the recruiting will be, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what the NCAA hadn't done anything about next year, you right. know, because you know, I'm, I go into next fall, I have two freshman classes. You know, the guys that were with me last year and the guys that are coming in, mm -hmm. you know, so it's those kids are all freshman eligibility wise. And we have a couple guys that are freshmen eligible for the draft next year, which right. sounds kind of crazy, but um, just the dynamic that we've never seen. You know, we might need to um, do a baseball version of like the 1950s Bear Bryant SEC football 
where you know they had a they had a freshman team and then they had an upperclassman that was the real team that played everybody. You know, right. they they, had, they played two schedules basically. It would be nice because it would be um, you know in our world, obviously a lot of our freshmen that come in they can play with anybody, but you know I'll have I'll have seventeen year old freshmen, and then I have Carlisle Costler who'll be in college for his seventh year. So it's a it's a wide range as you're as you're looking at it as as kids are playing and doing, but um, it's just what we have. Yeah. That's that's really a you're right a wide dynamic, you know you, you have well, a, it, it, a you know as Carlisle was old this year without COVID so it, right, it didn't right. matter but we'll have you know we'll have 17 year old and a 24 year old probably so yeah. um, that gets to come back and play so it'll be fun but it'll um, hopefully those older guys can help this young group out I'm you know w- what's interesting is what will next fall look like you know we're hoping we get a little bit more practice time or play some scrimmages or. You know, we're, we've already sat down this week. We've been mapping out our fall. Just to, we're going to have to play more games because we have more players, mm-hmm. you know, in our scrimmages. Usually it's three a week. We may have to go to five a week and uh, just trying to get guys innings and have bats and, and everything else. Well, and I, I realize that this is the absolute worst time for me to even bring this up. But I must say, it, in that case, it would be nice to have that third assistant <laughs> you, on your staff. <laughs> For a lot of reasons. Well, it's, it's really nice because you're, you're, the third assistant was the volunteer assistant. The volunteer assistant makes his salary off camps, mm-hmm. but camps disappeared with COVID, right? So right. that's where you're – man, you'd really like to have your third assistant right now because it would it would help out a lot, you know, to, to put that guy on campus and do. But unfortunately, I mean, I'm looking around today and saw a university cut sports and adding positions probably isn't something that we'll see here. Right. anytime soon right you know because of because of that scenario sure well and you know we've talked about all of this and the draft and what it means and it is big news but but coach i'm not sure any of it's bigger news than as as mike leach puts it ronnie polk is back on campus what do you think about that <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome so um you know coach was over at my house we live about six houses from each other so and he coaches up in the Cape Cod every summer. That's his man, he loves it and he always you know, my first year here, you know, we hadn't even placed a kid in summer ball and I had the, one of the teams in the Cape called and they he I I forget the four, but it, I think it was Westburg, Foscue, Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen on mm-hmm. the same team and I'm like, Whoa man, how do you get the four best players from our program? And they say, Well, coach, Coach Polk <laughs> he, he invited them last fall before you had the job and he says they're coming. And I said, all right, send the contracts, you know. And mm-hmm. so he's, you know, he takes our kids in the Cape, but he treats them like gold. So um, I've tried to call him in the last 24 hours. He hadn't picked up. So I don't know if he's big leaguing me now that he's back. But but I think everybody around here is very excited. I mean, he is the uh, the architect of Mississippi State baseball and really SEC baseball in a whole. Yeah. You, know, you go back so many years, and uh, I know so many people are excited to have him back here at Starkville. You know, and I, he's such a, a legend on the baseball field. He, he's also a legend when it comes to roasting someone. I've heard him at the lectern at a couple of like celebrity roasts, different things. Uh, and right. he's got he's got endless jokes. And I guess what I would say to you is just understand that he is he's making notes on you for somewhere down the road. Uh, you know, as we speak, uh, you just need to know. I've that. already been roasted. So you don't have to worry. I've already been, I've, I've already, he's already been there with me. So yeah. he, uh, he, he's good. He gives, um, dude, he gives all the kids a hard time too. So he's, um, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. 
he said about Jack Crystal in one roast that uh, Jack's uh, family moved to this part of the country a hundred years ago in a covered wagon. And Coach Polk said, and if you'd seen the family, you'd know why the wagon was covered. I mean, it's just <laughs> that kind of stuff one after the other. So I'm really glad that he's, yeah, he, he's I don't know where he gets them all. So, <laughs> but he, um, I think he's excited to be back. Yeah. You know, he's got a beautiful house out here. So he lives in an apartment in Birmingham, and then he has this house here. I'm sure he'll be, be excited to enjoy, you know, living back here in Starkville. No question. Hey, Coach, thanks for some time very, very much, and uh, we'll keep up hey, with no it. no problem. Thanks, Matt. All right, thank you. Don't Talk to you soon. All right, you too. Thank you. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach of Mississippi State. So not only does Coach Polk come on back, and he's going to be doing all kinds of stuff and on campus and around the program and kind of an ambassador doing all kinds of different stuff, but he lives a couple houses down from Chris Lamonis. No pressure, Coach. <laughs> No, Coach Polk, great guy. You know, when, when I was playing football at State 20 years ago, before every home football game, every home football game of my entire five-year career, Coach Polk, with a cigar in his mouth, walked through, during the pregame, walked through the football locker room and shook the hand of every player and wished every one of us good luck. Yeah, football. Can't wait to see him again. We'll talk to him here on the show at some point as soon as he starts answering his phone again. <laughs> All right. Just getting started. Hour two. Y'all stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show, I'm Matt. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. You want some NFL? You get a little NFL. Let's do it. You know you like it. You know you like it. I'm coming to your texts in just a bit. On the country, please, and text line. Let's see. Uh, Bengals legend Boomer Esiason hopes that his former team, the Bengals, will soon get rid of their, in his words, horrific uniforms. <laughs> hey! <clears throat> All right. Hold on. Stay with me. Hold on. Don't, don't turn that dial. <laughs> All right. They, the Bengals uniforms are solidified as one of a kind. Those helmets with those tiger stripes, that is the Bengals. Uh, High school teams have copied it. But that's what they are. 
Do y'all remember several years ago when the Charleston Tigers, Charleston High School here in Mississippi, heck of a program there for a while, under Perry Lyles, when he was the head coach, they, all right, there's a story behind it. Perry Lyles coached at Aberdeen High School back in the day in the early 90s when a guy named Reggie Kelly played there. Reggie was a teammate of mine at Mississippi State, and he got himself drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, but he spent about 10 years in the NFL with the Bengals. Reggie had a 13-year career as a tight end in the NFL, most of it with the Bengals. Well, when he was with the Bengals, his former high school coach got the job at Charleston, and they're the Charleston Tigers. Well, they kind of worked together, and at Charleston, the story was they went through Reggie to get a hold of some of the patterns so that they could fashion the Charleston helmets in the same pattern as the Cincinnati Bengals. And But Charleston, their colors are not orange and black like Cincinnati. They are you know, yellow, gold, gold and black. And I remember they had the same helmets, just different colors. Anyway, anyway, I say don't change the Bengals uniforms. Yeah, they're horrific, but that's who they are. And it's who they've always been. You cannot say the same thing about the Rams. Listen, y'all, I promise I'm not stuck on uniforms forever. You just need to hear this because it is true. This, what this is, and this happens in sports a lot, especially pro sports. Okay, now I'm not going to name specific stuff, but this is similar to you all have friends who are a little quirky or they're just a little bit, I don't know what's the right word, least common denominator. And when they were having a baby, they went, they tried way too hard to come up with a cool name to be different than everybody else, to do something nobody else had ever done, and all they did was ruin the poor kid's future because of some dumb name they gave him. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You're like, they named that kid what? Why on earth would they feel like they need to do that? <laughs> you've said it. You know you have. And then you've said, bless his heart. Right? Because in the South, you can say anything you want about anybody as long as you say, bless their heart. That's the ugliest baby I've ever seen, bless his heart. Boy, she's put on a lot of weight. Bless her heart. See what I mean? So the same thing. These pro people, these smart people, they try so hard to do something cool that they foul it up time after time after time. And the latest example are the Los Angeles Rams. I agree with a Los Angeles Times columnist who said of all the difficult decisions the Rams have made in recent years, relocating, building a new stadium, rebranding the team to win over L.A. It's perhaps the easiest. Just coming back to Los Angeles would have been enough. There was no need to hire an artist to recreate the team logo or a designer to make over the stupid uniform. And I added the word stupid. In fact, when they revealed them yesterday, one of the most, if not the most famous Rams ever, Eric Dickerson, to his credit, pointed out that they are awful. Like I told them, I said, man, look, this is football. This ain't nothing to do with surfing. This ain't nothing to do with waves. This is football. This is a man's sport. And to me, it just looks soft. 
It don't look football. It don't look hard. Ain't nothing about surfing? I'll say this. You know, the colors are not bad. You know, if, if you want to change the colors, make it a little brighter, you know, the, the uniform is not bad. I just don't like the, the stripe around the, the, the sleeve. It's not big enough. It almost looks like a lightning bolt, like the Chargers uniform. I don't like the stripe down the pants. I wish it was bigger. And the horn, man, it's horrible. I mean, it's terrible. I just feel like they really took away from the Rams uniform. And, and it looks like almost like a Charger logo. It looks like a banana. It looks like two bananas is what it looks like. Looks like bananas on the helmet. Exactly. Smart people. An artist. Smart people. Wealthy people come, they sometimes come up with the dumbest ideas you have ever seen, all because of insecurity. They don't have enough self esteem to just say, hey, it's good like it is. Roll with it. We don't have to change that. Instead, now the iconic Rams uniform and helmet looks like a hand of bananas. And I realize there's some irony in there, Bieber. It is awful. Congrats, Rams. It's awful. Okay, moving on. David Tepper is the billionaire owner of the Carolina Panthers, another former expansion team in the NFL who tried their best to use some shade of blue in their uniforms. Think about it. Jaguars, Ravens, Titans, and Panthers. None of them are iconic, and they all look terrible because they all were trying to be cool. Look at the Packers. And look at the Chiefs, red and white. Okay, anyway. All right, David Tepper. Billionaire owner of the Carolina Panthers thinks it will be safe to have a crowd, maybe a limited crowd, at NFL games in the Well, I think if baseball comes and you see them playing soccer in Europe and we're scheduled for football, I think there should be enough tests available to make sure that we're safe on the field. As far as fans on the stadium, you know, if anybody's comfortable going into, um, you know, you won't be having full stadiums, but... That doesn't mean you can't have some fans in the stadium either. Uh, he said it's totally doable to have fans. You know, so, you know, it's practical. I mean, people have to, again, it's analysis on what makes sense and not get, you know, uh, if, if that's what it is, if you think that you can be closer. And if you have, have everybody wear a mask in a stadium, well, maybe it can be, you know, a little bit closer than that. Maybe it can be three feet away if you have a mask or three and a half feet away or whatever the number is. Speculating, he's a billionaire owner. And right about at the same time, Dr. Fauci who yesterday here on the show, I read his name and I said, Feucci. <laughs> I sure did. Proud of it, too. That takes talent <laughs> to figure that one out. Dr. Fauci did an interview with Peter King on his podcast and says, uh, no fans. In your mind, just your gut feeling as you sit here right now, do you believe it is wise and or safe for negative testing players in an empty stadium to play football in September? Uh, I think it's feasible that negative testing players could play to an empty stadium. I think it's feasible. Is it guaranteed? No way. 
he doesn't even guarantee that players ought to play in an empty stadium in the fall, let alone with one in with fans in there. And the billionaire owner, well, he's the owner of the team, Matt. Of course he wants fans there. Well, yeah, well, he's a billionaire. What does he care? I mean, really? Well, a percentage point's a big deal to a billionaire. Is it? It would be if you weren't a billionaire. Some fun stuff on, and we're going to get into that. Some fun stuff on the uh, Country Pleasing text line. Jason and Flagstaff, LOL. Bartholomew, Chadwick. Shaniqua. I want to know this. How many kids in the 1990s, late 90s, were born and their parents named them like Dalton? And how many kids in the last 15 years have been born and they named them like Aiden? Really? I mean, it's all these different names that I'd never even heard before. And now there are hundreds of thousands of kids with those names. It's like they put a name that you've never heard before on the baby list, and man, one or two will just take off. And now we have a bunch of them. But I still hold to my Larry theory. I think all Larrys are aliens or something. Because the world is full. Millions of grown men named Larry. But you can't find a single toddler named Larry. And never have known a toddler named Larry. 99% of y'all listening have never seen a three-year-old kid named Larry, yet you know 50 adults named Larry. Where are the Larrys coming from? Now that the show is squarely back on track, <laughs> let's take a break. <clears throat> Stick around. Back, getting ready to round it out with you here on this Thursday in uh, hour number two of the show. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. It's time. Before we uh, hit the red button on the phone line, let's check in with Beaver. Everything good in your world, Beaver? Yeah, it's going good over here. Uh, at this moment, though, I want to use what's going on with me mm -hmm. to actually segue right into what's going on with Chicken Hawk because All right. what's going on with me is wondering. And I'm wondering because <laughs> Chicken Hawk called right before the break, and we were, I told him we were just about to go to break, and he kept saying, he said, I know that you've been wondering. I'm about to set your little mind. He said we have little minds, Matt. Little I think he minds. called us dumb. Mm -hmm. But he said, I'm about to set your little minds right because I've heard that y'all been wondering and y'all been wondering, but he wouldn't tell me what we've been wondering about. So now well, he's here to tell us. I mean, how would he know, though? Because we didn't say it out loud. It's not like we said out loud, hey, you know, what's Chicken Hawk up to? He said he heard on the streets that we've been wondering. On the streets? What's he doing on the streets? I thought he drove a chicken truck. Let's just find out from the man himself. On the Divinity Equipment phone line, 
Chicken Hawk. Mr. Hawk. Yes. Hi, what's yes, up? Yes, look at here. Look at here, brother. I drive an 18-wheeler. I drive a feed truck Monday and Tuesday, and because y'all won't eat enough chicken, and then I had to drive a, a haul sticks on Wednesday and then go back to hauling chicken feed on Thursday and Friday. But look at him. Now, what the deal was, it ain't so much on the street, but you know my hawker maniacs. You know, my hawker maniacs keep an eye on y'all mm-hmm. when I can't, you know. So, you know, so, uh, you know, last week, I'm finna, I'm finna straighten you out now. I want you to get that. You got that basketball glove ready? Ready. Because it's probably going to be hard for you to handle right here, you know, just barehanded and all, you know. Hey, hey, yeah, is but, it, let me ask you a question. Is it, uh, is it too hot to handle? Too hot to handle. Too cold to hold. <laughs> is that what it is? Well, I wouldn't say it was just too hot to handle, you all know, right. but okay. I mean, y'all, y'all was just, I mean. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to get you sidetracked. Um, my bad. All right, so, so what's up? Well, that ain't nothing new for you, Bob Tail. You always be trying to throw me them double knuckle curves, fistballs, and stuff. Every time I get up on here, you want to try to get me sideways and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that ain't nothing new for you. But look at here. Uh, first off, though, uh, you know about them people, them babies. You know you. And I know Bieber because he has a wide repertoire of uh, music that uh, that he enlightens himself with, like I do. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm basically a headbanger, ACDC, Janice, Jimmy Hendrix, my man. Mm. But, you know, I've got a wide repertoire, but I doubt you ever listened to Frank Zappa, have you? I've heard the name. That's it. Well, you know what he named his youngin'? What's that? Moonbeam. That's serious <laughs> now. That's the legal name. Moonbeam. Okay. Now, you tell me that rascal right there wasn't on some of that purple haze that Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix was talking about. You know what I'm saying? Right after he, right after he, right, right after he named that baby, he said the words, "Get that smoke out of here." I guarantee you. Yeah, 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 he had to. He had to take take his hands, man, and move it <laughs> like Chicken Chong when they rolled up that newspaper joint. Mm-hmm. He had to reach up there with both hands and go to flag and smoke, getting the fire away. <laughs> hey, baby, what you want to name our our youngin? Oh man. That's naming Moonbeam, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, but now here, there you go, Dad. Hold on, just sorry. A minute. I'm sorry. You done, you done, you you done, you almost done it. Now, y'all's little in my y'all's little minds been wondering. Come, my hawker, my, my maniacs done called me about this ever since last week. So I'm finna, I'm finna, I'm finna let y'all in on something. Uh, do y'all y'all don't know what a Saturday night radio is? Hmm. We, I now I know, I don't know what a Saturday night radio is. We speculated that maybe you were trying to listen on a CB radio. No, I heard you talking about that. Now, I will take you over there to the temple. Because, see, there's a temple for Chicken Buddha. Chicken Buddha is the original chicken hauler. He's a little short, fat chicken hauler. Got about eight rows of fat sticks on them fluffy pullers. Got one of them diapers on his head. And uh, got a little insignia, foghorn, leghorn, with that little red chicken hawk walking on him with that big football bat. And the rigging reason Chicken Buddha has that diaper on his head is because he got one of them permanent banana knots that ain't never went away. <laughs> but I'll, that's, for, that's, that's for another day. Hey, that's for another day, brother. But let me get back to what just been messing y'all's little mind up about this Saturday night radio. Okay. Back in the day, and my daddy's done gone home. 
Thank the Lord, I see him again. That's what Jesus said. And uh, Four back, and a half you know, minutes. back then, back then they just had radios to listen to. And on Saturday night, everybody been got through with the week chores and the day's chores, and they get all around there and gather around that a uh, radio. This six fifty up there out of Nashville for the uh, Grand Ole Opry, or you know the dark. I mean, uh, what was that? The Shadow Nose, and then the Long Range and stuff like that. So. Let's call it Saturday Night Radio. Okay. 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 Hail State. Not, hey, hey, Hail State. You're looking here. See, see it. Whoa. Hey. Matt Wyatt. Hey, you see what just happened? I saw something that just happened. What? What'd you hear? What'd you hear? Well, <laughs> I started playing the music because I thought there may be some people going to sleep. And so I'm going to crank up the entertainment. I'll put a music bed to Chicken Hawk's call. Well, he heard the music and thought he was done. That's what I saw. You figured it out, Matt. (laughs) Here's what I noticed. What did you notice? He called to tell us one thing. Mm -hmm. It took that man four minutes and 26 (laughs) seconds to get to what he was going to tell us. And then to actually tell us what he was going to tell us only took him 18 seconds. <laughs> exactly. Also, yeah. Chicken Hawk, that girl's name is not Moonbeam. It's Moon Unit. <laughs> little little fun That's fact. It's Moon better. Unit, and she has two brothers named Amit and Dweezel. Gracious alive. Yeah. I'd much rather have Moon Unit <laughs> than Dweezel and Amit. <clears throat> That's just me, anyway. All right, I en- I enjoyed that little moon unit of a segment. <laughs> that's what I mean. The moon unit. If Chicken Hawk ever gets his own show, that's what it ought to be called the the moon unit. <laughs> Why not? Right? Why not? Let's see. What are people saying on the text line here? Uh, Rusty said, it's not odd that a state guy would have a big opinion on uniforms. That is a sub-major at state. Those guys go through more uniform changes than Lady Gaga on tour. (laughs) Boy, they have had a bunch of them. I like the, when the silver and the gray comes out as the, as the variations. Uh, Ready Teddy said, I love artists, but how many artists are football fans? (laughs) Good point. In regards to no toddlers named Larry, True Maroon says, I never met a toddler named Karen either. Slippery, when Rhett said the top four NFL franchise in terms of value have blue as a major color in their logo. Cowboys and who else? Giants? Okay. Last thing we need is more uniforms with blue in them. Everybody tries to figure out some teal. We're going to use teal. Jaguars. The Marlins, you know, it's just, I mean, it's overplayed. One thing we have learned is that through all the expansion in pro sports, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NFL, they used up all the good uniform combinations long before expansion began. There ain't one single solitary expansion team in my lifetime that has a uniform I would spit on. Mad male person. Tell Hawk it's a wheeler, not a willa. That's right, 18 willa. Patrick uh, says, what happened to the chicken hawk squawk when he comes on? I don't know. That was a Roger thing. 
And so there it is. And then Mac and Vicksburg thanked us for playing the wrap-up music. Hey, I want to pass something along to y'all. A Mississippi guy made some waves in Major League Baseball on this day in 2006. His name is Bill Hall. It was Mother's Day, May the 14th, 2006, and he was batting in the ninth inning with a pink bat for Mother's Day. And his mother was in the stands. 2-0 here. How about a homer with the pink bat? Let's get out of here. 5-5 game. High fly ball. Deep right field. Happy Mother's Day. That was Bill Hall. Y'all remember Bill Hall? Bill Hall, major leaguer from 2002 until 2012 from Nettleton, Mississippi. Played American Legion baseball for the Tupelo 49ers. For, did, did not go to college. Went straight up into uh, the professional ranks. Was with the Brewers from 2002 to 2009. So the better part of seven or eight seasons there. And that was with the Brewers in 06. A walk-off home run on Mother's Day. His mother from Nettleton sitting up in the stands in Milwaukee. And he used a pink bat for the walk-off. Pretty cool moment on this day back in 06. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Let's do it again tomorrow. Same time, same place. For Beaver, I'm Matt. Farm Bureau Studio. See you tomorrow.